0: This episode of The Hash is sponsored by Bitstamp. You're listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network.
1: Get caught up on this week's top stories from The Hash Crew. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Monday's top story. Hey, happy Monday, folks! Let's do this thing. So, news came out this morning from USDC stablecoin issuer Circle. They were calling off their plans to go public through a special purpose acquisition company that would have valued them at about eight billion, up to nine billion, depending on when they were announcing. They're gonna, they're gonna wait on that. They're not gonna do that. That's been canceled, and that's what was announced this morning. Some interesting nuggets in their announcements. A nice thread from uh, CEO Jeremy Allaire, among other things. But them going public, at least through this SPAC, is currently on hold. We'll talk about potentially why right now. Jen, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think it would have been optimistic to think that Circle would have been able to get to this IPO by the end of the year, just given the scrutiny that's on stable coins and the industry because of the events of the last few months. I know in the announcement, they said that it was just a lot to get through with the SEC as the SEC kind of becomes a little bit stricter with the application process. So I am not surprised that this IPO is paused. And I'm not surprised that the hoops that they need to jump through with the SEC are maybe a little bit tighter than they thought. That said, I agree with Jeremy Allaire's Twitter thread. I thought that it was great. He said that stable coins will play a huge part in offering utility value. It made me think back to when we spoke about the World Economic Forum that happened a few months ago, stable coins were really a big topic of conversation there, especially when it came to remittances. So I, I don't think this is bad for stable coins. I'm not surprised. I think stablecoins will continue to push the crypto narrative uh, forward when it comes to mainstream adoption. And so I read this and I thought, okay, not surprised, but here we are. Wendy, what did you think?
0: So I've got a lot of thoughts with this. It actually makes perfect sense that they're not going public right now, especially with all the drama that happened via FTX. Another important thing, too, I do believe that USDC is one of the native stable coins for Solana. People like to use that. Solana is under a lot of heat with the FTX debacle. Well, I guess this is off the record. I don't know. But I do think, well, no, it's on the record because I say it on my show. I really think that USDC is going to be the stable coin of the U.S. It's going to be our CBDC. I just kind of a gut feeling I have. I'm happy to be wrong, but I just feel like they have so many big players that are kind of probing into them that they've worked with, etc. And it does make sense that they did not go through and become public. Um, part of the reason being is the SEC is also under a lot of heat with the whole FTX thing too. I feel like a lot of people are in a lot of trouble and there's a whole lot of uncertainty happening. We don't know what's going to happen with regulational clarity when it comes to crypto. We know that we're getting hounded for regulation, but at the same time, the regulation that they want to push through, especially now after the FTX debacle, is not going to be the regulation that we're going to want. So it does make sense that Circle is not going public yet. And they're kind of just taking a step back and trying to explore the waters and seeing exactly what needs to be done. And who knows, maybe they're under investigation as well.
1: Yeah, interesting stuff here. I don't know about the investigation stuff. I'm sure that a lot of regulators are knocking on a lot of doors in terms of regulated crypto entities are probably getting some check-ins, some friendly check-ins. Hey, you guys got all those funds you say you have? So maybe that's happening, but we do not know that. That's just speculation at this point. I think, you know, you look at USDC, there's like 43 billion in USDC in circulation across a bunch of different chains. So this has become really a foundational element of the crypto ecosystem. And I think, interestingly enough, you know, Jeremy Allaire is out here in his tweet thread sharing some numbers that suggest, you know, that the firm is in relatively good health, right? At a time when many others are crippled and are having a hard go of it. Jeremy Allaire tweeted in his thread that uh, the firm clocked something like 274 million in revenue in Q- Q3 including 43 million in net income. So some interesting numbers that are also out there, maybe to to downplay uh, some of the histrionics that could follow an announcement such as this. I know this one was was pretty uh, anticipated, right? This was one of the bigger crypto SPACs that we would have seen. We're talking about a $9 billion company that would have hit the public markets by way of a SPAC maybe th- sort of like the optimistic or hopium view is that now Circle can hold off for maybe a direct listening similar to what Coinbase did in April 2021, or maybe a proper IPO even that brings it to the public markets with a bit more fanfare. So it's going to be interesting to see how they weather the storm, how they maintain those reserves, how they keep the business operational until the next bull run where potentially stablecoins play an even more pronounced role in transacting value, both, you know, uh, within chains, across chains, and from chains uh, back to the world of fiat currencies. So Circle's certainly a key player, even if the SPAC is called off here on this Monday. Jen, kicking it to you.
2: Well, I just want to correct myself. I said IPO a lot during my commentary, but it is not an IPO, it is a SPAC. And those are two different ways to go public. So sorry, viewers, for confusing you.
0: Times are tough, particularly for crypto, but Bitstamp's different. Bitstamp is the longest running crypto exchange and among the most regulated in the world, which includes a Bit license in New York and a payment institution license in Europe. And when it comes to your funds, with Bitstamp, your crypto belongs to you. All your fiat and crypto are kept 100% separated. It's why CryptoCompare ranked Bitstamp the number one crypto exchange, awarding them the highest possible AA rating. Learn more at bitstamp.net.
2: Tuesday's top story. All right, we're talking about Goldman Sachs. They say they are set to spend tens of millions of dollars on discounted crypto investments. This is according to a report by Reuters. The investment bank is looking at crypto firms whose valuations have taken hits after the implosion of FTX. As we all remember, FTX filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy on November 11th, sending the industry into a deeper downward spiral than we were already on. Will, welcome back to the show. We missed you. I'm going to toss it off Thank to you, you first. What do you think of this?
3: Yeah, we actually have another report coming from the Financial Times this morning. They seem to have found the four, or the $5.4 billion hole in Alameda's and FTX's balance sheet. And this is uh, venture capital money that we're seeing float into a lot of different pockets. Uh, this report, again, from Financial Times, you can go look it up. Online, it's pretty damning evidence of the misallocation of capital that flowed through FTX and Alameda. Uh, it goes through a lot of different companies. And now I think people are going to start asking questions about those companies that received funding from these teams. How did that funding get there? Was it responsible for that funding to go there? And was it client funds that went into these different venture capital bets? There's a lot of different teams on this list. Don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but we're looking at dozens of different crypto companies that are essential to the space. I think the largest one was. Genesis Mining, it was about a $500 million investment. And just go down the list, there's even, even more. So this is pretty big news to tee off the morning. Just tying it back into the Goldman Sachs news, it makes sense for Goldman Sachs to step in, right? Like, prices are down. There's still some good teams out there that got rugged by FTX and Alameda. And now they're trying to figure it out, how to like make the next best step. Goldman Sachs is coming in there with their big banker money. They can buy up and scoop up a lot of smaller teams for cheaper valuations and make more money. And that's how you do it in the banking world. That's how you make a legacy. Zach, I want to kick the story up to you, get your take on it.
1: Buy in the dip, eh? Goldman Sachs, buying in the dip. But this time, crypto firms, not crypto coins, just FYI. T-Y-O-R, whatever, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I think this is interesting because like, Fidelity, obviously, is rolling out its crypto offering. Goldman Sachs is trying to be here for the long haul. So you have all these traditional brokerage firms who are saying, okay, this is an opportunity for us. Everyone's freaking out because all these poorly regulated offshore exchanges are blowing up left and right. This is an opportunity for us to cement our positions as a place where people can go and get crypto. So I think it's really fascinating that Goldman Sachs is out here peddling this exclusive to Reuters, saying, "Hey, we're on a shopping spree. A little bit of a little bit of a pre-holiday run-up where they're going to buy up some firms and make some additional investments in what they see as probably continuing to be a part of their business going forward." So kind of interesting wasn't really expecting that this would be announced so publicly but for Goldman Sachs to say hey you know if FTX isn't going to get the job done you know Wall Street might be able to do so that that's that's quite that's quite a signal so anyway those are my thoughts
2: Jen yeah so just off the back of that it does really seem like they're seeing the opportunity and they're seizing that opportunity I think their messaging is really interesting here they said that there's an increased need for trustworthy players in the industry, I think that's really kind of ironic, right? This industry was set up to be trustworthy because the traditional banks, the traditional financial system, was not. And now here's Goldman Sachs coming in to save the day because they think that you know the industry needs to be a little bit more trustworthy and that they are the best people to do that. Wendy, what do you think? What do you think of, of this messaging?
0: It's kind of funny and ironic at the same time, because I think some of the the companies that they're going to come in and buy the dip on are going to be more traditional like firms. And I think the collapse of FTX was really done by traditional financial people, not necessarily crypto people. But at the same time, I think that this is bad for the crypto industry as a whole. We're having a centralized third-party predatory industry come in and swoop some of these systems up or whatever it is that they're buying. Who knows what they're buying yet? Um, so it's going to be a bad thing for the industry, because realistically, when you look at it, the banking industry is probably one of the biggest Ponzi schemes and scams in the world. Um, but it is what it is, and it's going to continue to happen. And it's just really sad for, our, for the crypto industry as a whole. And yes, it's also sad for Bitcoin, too.
1: Some good stats in here. And nonetheless, they've invested in 11 crypto companies. Goldman Sachs has their team on the crypto side is more than 70 folks now, including a seven person crypto options and derivatives trading desk. So it's wild to see Goldman Sachs taking this seriously while other people, Jamie Diamond, are out here throwing shade on the entire sector itself. So Goldman, interesting, wouldn't have put them as growing their team, growing their effort, and obviously putting a little bit of money, obviously not huge by big bank standards, but a little bit of money into buying up some deals. So interesting to see. I saw Will and Wendy go. So I'm going to let you do that. Really,
0: really, really I want to fight Wendy um, really
3: quick, though.
2: Oh,
0: gosh. Let's go. Hey, I'm going to fight right now. Let me tell you something. <laughs> J.P. Morgan, J.P. Diamond, they all they are all very invested and interested in crypto. They just have to play the part to mainstream media news. And as always, you guys, don't trust mainstream media news. And if you are, make sure to look at multiple different sources. Go ahead, Will. You can take it now.
3: <laughs> I don't think this is bad news. Okay, The fact is Goldman Sachs exists right now. They're going to exist tomorrow. They're going to exist in 10 years. So why not embrace them allow them to move into this space. Yes, there's some cronyism there. Yes, there's some access to resources a lot of other people in crypto don't have. But why not usher them in? If they're going to exist, allow them to move into the space and be better actors than FTXs. I mean, crypto obviously couldn't even police itself. So uh, you know maybe we deserve Goldman Sachs to come in and swoop up a bunch of companies for cheap. And Zach, what you pointed out, they have a 70-person team. They're doing a lot of due diligence on these things. And they're going to give life to a lot of these projects that are probably good. They're probably fine. They just don't have capital anymore because FTX rugged them. So I think this is a good thing. I think if you saw this 12 months ago, Wendy, you would have been pretty happy to see, oh, Goldman Sachs is stepping <laughs> the space. I think it's only because this comes on the heels of FTX and a lower price movement. You're looking at of being like, mm, I'm a little skeptical. And you put the tinfoil hat back on.
0: The tinfoil crown, okay? It's the tinfoil queen crown. <laughs> queen <laughs> Wendy. <laughs> um no, but you know, just as long as we still have access to true decentralized products and DEXs and they don't try to eliminate code because code is language, is very important that we need to keep reminding people that I'm fine with it. It doesn't matter anyways. The the big banks, the people with money are gonna win. The underdogs were just kind of too lazy to step up and do anything about it, sadly.
1: Damn, that was like a that was like a call to revolution. That was that was that was nice. You're you're trying to prod the. You're trying to get people out there. Get get the get the pitchforks out. That was nice. Wednesday's top story.
3: Oh, throw me the Immutable X story to start off the day. That's not very nice of you. Okay, I remember <laughs> when this story went out door. I think it was like nine months ago. <laughs> Might have been a year ago. Wow, time flies. The Immutable X launches platform, and you know they had the classic NFT play out there. They're talking about how this was carbon neutral, how it was great for the environment and alternative to Bitcoin mining and alternative to like all these sort of things that are out there. And it kind of floundered. I mean, GameStop and Immutable X actually teamed up together. And GameStop didn't believe in this token launch so much that they dumped the token on Immutable X. They dumped about $30 million worth of this token immediately once the token partnership was confirmed. And it was a confirmation between the two teams it was a $100 million token transfer between uh, Immutable X and GameStop. So Whenever I see Immutable X in the headlines, I'm sorry, but that's immediately where my mind goes. I'm thinking of the story where they pitch themselves as like this very PR savvy green alternative for a layer two solution for gaming. And then immediately GameStop said, "Eh, we're not super interested in what you're doing. We actually just want the cash. And so they did indeed cash out. That being said, get back to your original question here, Zach, like DeFi, NFTs, GameFi, all that stuff. It does seem to be bearing some weight during the the bear market like people are actually still interested in this and for good reason because people still like gaming. It's cool to see like these crypto adjacent sectors continue to survive and maybe that's how immutable X gets itself out of like this PR nightmare it's had over the last year or so if if this industry actually takes off, people actually care about games and they want to have nfts incorporate in that and crypto incorporate in that. Well, you know, there's a solid runway there. It's much more solid and I think like a tangible runway than a lot of other projects out there. Like gaming makes sense. Gaming has been a dominant industry for 20, 30 years now, and it's only going to grow. So I think like in, in gaming production with crypto really makes a lot of sense. Jen, I'll throw it over to you.
2: Yeah. So I took a little bit of a different direction on this story. And I first must disclose that I contribute to Web3 Gaming DAO and Immutable Spoke at our event. Last week, I think reading the stats in this article and comparing them to how we were talking about how Web3 gamers were talking about NFTs just at the beginning of this year is starkly different, right? So the article said in September, Gods Unchained entered the top five collections by trading volume, generating over $18 million through its in-game assets. I remember earlier this year talking about how gamers were talking about NFTs at multiple different conferences, and they really didn't get it. And so I think that the gaming industry have been doing, and you know, take this with a grain of salt since I work in the gaming industry now, the gaming industry has, has been doing a good job at educating players about what owning their in-game assets mean through user experience. So not just telling them this is what you have to do and set up a wallet, but showing them that when they have these in-game assets, they can then set up a wallet, take it to different marketplaces, buy and trade. I think that this year has been really exciting for the gaming industry. Zach, I saw your hand go up.
1: I just wanted to appreciate the low-key history corner that we got from Will. The recent history corner of crypto shenanigans is really why I throw it to Will often. But anyway, just want to put that in there. I saw Wendy's hand was up, so I'm tossing it to her.
0: I think that this is, I guess, good news considering the type of market we're in. I know a lot of things aren't as exciting as they were when we were back in the bull market because everybody had the euphoria, the FOMO. But at the same time, it's going to be a struggle for the gaming community to get excited about NFTs. Because even with the current built outs with the NFT community and the products and the services, they're still not super easy to use. So until it's completely seamless, you don't really know that you're using an NFT. The experience was very similar to the previous experience. But the only difference is, is you actually get to own your in-game items. That's when we will see adoption with this. And that's when we will see the gamers actually get excited and not so hesitant against NFTs.
1: There's still, you know, the interoperability piece that I think needs to be built out a bit further, too. You know, making sure that one asset that you have in one ecosystem, whether it's X or, I don't know, Polygon Studios, whatever you have, making sure that those two things can talk to each other in a way that makes that ownership meaningful, right? You know, we talk about some of these walled gardens that a lot of gaming ecosystems have. And I think the bad thing would be if we recreated a lot of those gaming uh, walled gardens just in the context of, you know, different chains or different platforms that are supporting these NFTs. So I think the interoperability piece of this still remains a bit of a question mark and something that'll be really important for... Uh, furthering uh, the gaming NFT conversation. You've been listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.